The Laura Maersk is a huge cargo ship. Uh, it was launched a few weeks ago with a green methanol engine. It's quite a step forward in the shipping industry's efforts to lower its global carbon footprint, which currently means that 3% of the world's total greenhouse gas emissions comes from the shipping industry, which equates with the aviation industry. So what's the potential for green shipping? Anna Swanson writes about trade and international economics for the New York Times, and she's with me now. Hi, Anna. Hi, thanks for having me. Uh, Describe the Laura Maersk to me, please. What is it? Um, Yes, so this is a uh, not some visiting European uh, dignitary, uh, Laura Maersk, but a um, a, a cargo ship that I got to go see um, in Copenhagen. It was docked in the harbor uh, in Copenhagen at the time, Um, and um, it's a you know a large ship. It was about a hundred feet high at the top of the deck, but as container ships go, it was actually a a relatively um, small ship. Um, but it is a very uh, notable ship because it is the first of its kind um, that has a special dual engine that can burn both traditional um, heavy fuel oil that ships usually use and a new type of greener fuel um, called green methanol. And so this ship from Maersk is, is, uh, represents um, a big step forward for that, uh, that company um, in terms of you know, their, their strategy to make mitigate some of their uh, carbon emissions. So the fact that it's got two types of engine, the oil burning engine or the methanol burning engine, does that mean that um, it's not committed yet? This is just a trial run? Mm, well, they did uh, They did decide to go with this dual engine instead of an engine that simply burns green fuel because they felt like they still needed a backup plan. Um, Maersk has committed to just using green methanol for the ship, but the fact is that the market for this fuel for for, for sustainably produced methanol is still really um, very much in its infancy. So there are some concerns in the longer run about what that supply of fuel could be like. Um, and that's been a big effort um, from the company and the shipping industry as well to try to get this fuel market started from really um, nothing currently. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, 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 the source of green methanol, as you say, is pretty limited, which which is a catch-22, right? You're not going to build enormous ships reliant on green methanol that may never be sufficient. Yeah, it was described to me as a chicken and egg problem. So do you build, you know, the ships first and then uh, um, companies decide that they're able to make the big investments in producing this fuel, that there will be enough demand? Or do you wait for the fuel market to come into effect before you start to commission these ships. Um, In practice, companies are going ahead with commissioning these ships. Um, There are about 125 in the global order book currently that will come on on the water, um, you know, soon. Um, And what what some companies like Maersk have done is that they 
have signed uh, contracts directly with some of the fuel fuel providers, um, and there are also you know programs in in Europe, in the United States, to in, elsewhere to incentivize the production of this kind of fuel. But it is still a very early um, effort, and yeah, very very nascent um, industry. It shows actually that- as one person. In the industry described it to me, he said, it's all hype currently. Well, I was so. going to say, I mean, it's it's either recognition that there is a problem that needs to be addressed or it's greenwashing. And mm. your informant suggests to you that it's greenwashing. Well, I think, yeah, I mean, opinions would differ on that point. I mean, I do take the company's point that this is, a notable step forward. I mean, Maersk, you know, didn't necessarily have to do this. There are many shipping companies that are not uh, investing, you know, billions of dollars in this green fuel market and in new green ships. Um, But it is still, at the end of the day, a very small percentage of the ships that are going to be on the water. I mentioned this, this one ship is operational. Maersk will have another large container ship early next year. There are 120 25 in the global order book currently, but there are 50,000 cargo ships operating globally. So, um, you know, there are a lot of uh, um, climate activists, environmental groups who say, you know, this is a great move, but um, but we really need to accelerate um, if if we're wanting to really address any kind of climate change challenge. I should make the point that, that we are accustomed to Uh, electric ferries or renewable energy ships, coastal ships. Mm. But these are long-haul, ocean-going ships, right? That's the difference. Right, right. And that does present a particular kind of challenge. Um, um, A lot of experts say that these ships, um, at least as battery technology is currently, they're not well well, that well suited for batteries because batteries tend to be heavy and they need to recharge. Whereas these ships could be at ocean for weeks, you know. So, so the shipping lines are really looking for a source of fuel that is um, portable and clean. Um, so they're looking at uh, this green methanol. They're looking at other options down the road like ammonia and hydrogen. Um, and there are also some companies that are experimenting with using wind, with using sail technology to um, not to totally power the ship, but to assist in its propulsion and to lower its uh, carbon emissions. So those are all seen as kind of prom- more promising paths. Maersk is trying to cut its carbon emissions to zero by 2040, which is uh, ambitious, would you not say? I do think it is quite ambitious. And, you know, from um, from from my Reporting, it seems like they are one of the industry leaders in this respect, in part because um, they're based in Denmark and the EU is ushering in, um, you know, lots of um, carrots and sticks to encourage companies to make this kind of green green transition. Um, I think they also see it as, you know, kind of part of their brand and they have certain customers like um, Amazon, Ikea, Volvo, um, that are also very interested in reducing their emissions from shipping their products and so are willing to to pay a little more to have um, net zero uh, shipping options as well. So that's another factor in their decision. Do you know where this, uh, you may have told me and I might have missed it, where the green methanol used to power the Laura Maersk is coming from? 
Well, I, I the company does um, is setting up a contract with um, what will be the world's largest green methanol plant um, in Denmark. Um, but I think in the interim, they're also sourcing their their methanol from elsewhere as well. Um, a bit of a diversified um, supply chain, but but because of the contract that they signed, um, Denmark will have a a, a green methanol facility. Um, there in the country. The International Maritime Organization, I see, aims to cut greenhouse gas emissions by 20 to 30 percent in the next six years. Um, net zero emissions around 2050. Mm-hmm. It doesn't sound to me as if green methanol is going to achieve that. Do you think that it's most likely to be a mix, or do you think that? Hydrogen might end up being the answer. Mm-hmm. Well, both um, both the companies and the analysts I spoke to did seem to think that a mix was more likely, and that methanol would not be the primary fuel for the industry at that point. Um, and that's partially because um, sustainable methanol can be produced with um, oil or coal or in very dirty ways. Um, in which case, it's actually really no better than um, burning traditional uh, fuel oil. But um, you can also make it in more sustainable ways with renewable energy um, and with kind of um, uh, inputs of carbon that are sustainable. So, for example, um, you know, biogas or, um, you know, uh, food waste or um, agricultural waste, maybe the chaff from fields, things like that. Um, But because of the industry's reliance on those kind of natural sources of carbon, um, it tends to be difficult to gather those um, at scale. And, um, you know, if you if you gather kind of too much of that, it can have a a perverse effect sometimes like, um, you know, taking up cropland, um, um, things like that. So so for those reasons, people tend to think that the potential of methanol um, is still there and, you know, can still be scaled quite a lot, um, but that it wouldn't be sufficient to power, you know, the 50,000 ships that are on global waters currently. Whatever's used, it surely means a more expensive distribution network. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. In the interim, these fuels, uh, the methanol I'm talking about is already maybe three to five times as expensive as conventional shipping fuels. And who's um, going to pay that? I uh, mean, consumers are going to have to pay that, presumably. Right. Well, that's the question. So, um, you know, as I mentioned, Maris does have some climate, some clients that are willing to pay more for, uh, you know, zero emission shipping. But I think the experience of most people in the industry is that, yes, their clients are interested in this, but not if they have to pay, you know, many times um, what they're currently paying, you know, um, you know, so, so companies have to put their, the money where uh, their money, where their mouths are. Right. Um, but I think, that's why a lot of people in the industry say that um, regulation is really the key element here and really the important element to make this transition happen because otherwise the economics of it just won't work. No. So if you want 
if you want this transition to happen, you need to have, you know, some kind of fuel standard, some kind of emissions pricing, some kind of mechanism to ensure that if companies are still burning dirtier fuel and um, making carbon emissions, they're going to have to pay more for that. Um, and that will level the playing field with these new greener fuels. Yeah. And it would need to be a global agreement, which which doesn't seem incredibly likely given our current progress on global agreements. <laughs> right, right. Well, yes, you mentioned the International Maritime Organization earlier. So that is what's going on there right now. It's a United Nations body, um, and they actually lagged um, far behind on climate change for many, many years and were very criticized for it. Um, But this last summer, they did adopt a more ambitious target to um, come to a legally binding um, agreement about how to regulate emissions by the end of 2025 and then put it into effect in 2027. I don't know. I feel a bit bit depressed about that, Anna. I spoke to Ian Urbina (laughs) a couple of weeks ago about the Chinese shipping fleet because he's done a lot of investigation into the fishing fleet. And uh, it's it's basically plundering of the oceans in various ways. And I, I can't see um, an orderly transference from fossil fuels to zero emission fuels globally happening in a smooth fashion. But I'm sure you know better than I do about that. <laughs> well, I don't know. I, I mean, I share your skepticism. I think there's a lot of, you know, there was a lot of excitement that the group could even sort of come to that agreement to come to an agreement. But now they need to do the difficult part of actually figuring out what the agreement is and agreeing on it, which is no small challenge, of course, when you have very disparate um, global interests. Um and, uh, yeah, a lot of divisions on that topic. So I think that will be, um, you know, very difficult, but um, we'll see We'll see what comes up in. I was reading an article um, about a Finnish company not far from Denmark called Norse Power, which is a leading global provider of mechanical sails for large ships. And you spoke about sails and wind power a little earlier. But that would be a huge advantage. Then you could at least cut down on your use of fossil fuels. Mm -hmm. Yes, and some people say this is a bit easier to implement. Um, You know, it's obviously a solution that uh, shipping has used uh, for centuries and, and, you know, in in recent history kind of um, gave up in in favor of fossil fuels. Um, But, um, yeah, uh, you know, there are various uh, models, various designs, uh, that vessels are currently trialing right now. Um, you don't see too many of these yet, but their proponents say that this technology um, would have a lot of benefits. Thank you, Anna. Anna Swanson, who is a reporter on trade and international economics for the New York Times.